Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Community Bible Reading Podcast from Imago Dei Church. My name is Daniel Jansen. I'm the pastor here at Imago Dei, and this is just an opportunity. Uh, we do this uh, reading through the scriptures as a church, and we have a daily reading. And so a couple times a week, I want to just be able to drop a quick podcast um, offering some insights uh, to the scriptures to help supplement our reading, help encourage participation um, because we believe God's word is valuable. So uh, it shapes our life. And so uh, today, uh, one of our readings, we do Old Testament, New Testament every day. Uh, one of our chapters is Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm just going to do a quick look at some of the, the verses 1 through 21. Uh, I'm going to leave out verses 22 through 33, which I know there's a lot of questions about that. That's a, a passage on wives and husbands. And um, super important and foundational passage. And, and even, I know there's a lot of questions for that, but um, I want to keep this podcast primarily for uh, my local church. And I think 1 through 20 um, are, are more what we're looking at and walking through as a community. So I'm assuming you've read chapter 5. If you haven't, um, this is an opportunity. Uh, pause and, and read it before you listen along. Um, but here we go. Uh, beginning in, in verse 1, he says, uh, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Um, the therefore, whenever you see that in Scripture, you're always asking, what's it there for? It's referring back to what's previous. So chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So I think the therefore is um, kind of in light. So in 32, he said, Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's this pattern that he's setting up of, hey, your life, the Christian life, is one that imitates God. So God in Christ forgave you, so you need to forgive one another. That's 32. Therefore, kind of in light of that, right, be imitators of God as beloved children. Love that verse. Um, I love the, the way it says, okay, as beloved children, is the way that you are imitators of God. So it's your identity first. Your identity through the gospel is that you are made to be a child of God. God has adopted you into his family. He has sent his son to rescue and redeem you from sin. And, and through that, you are his child. And so as his child, be an imitator of God. You're in the new family. Learn the family culture. Look to your father and imitate his ways. That's the calling of every believer. And so if you are ever clueless of what, how do I live my life, it, it, that's the starting point, right? Like, what, what is godliness? Like, what, what, is, um, what is God like? I want that character. I want that life permeating through my life. And the chief aspect that you kind of, that's highlighted of God's character, verse, verse 22, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So be imitators of God, imitate the love, the love that Christ loved us with. The, the, the way that love looks is that he gave himself up for us. He sacrificed, he laid down his life for us, and you are called to imitate and walk in that kind of love. And when you walk in that love, that sort of love is a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's pleasing to him. This is the call for every Christian everywhere all times. You're brought into the family. You imitate God. You walk in the, the love, right? 
the sacrificial, others before myself, even to the point of death, love. And this, this laying down of your rights, your preferences, your privileges, your priorities, right? this is pleasing to God. I think most people hearing that, they, they can kind of get that. But then verse 3 is where it gets a little, 3 through um, 14, I, I think Paul is kind of like, Wanting to make sure he kind of like nuances and, and qualifies that. So, so love, right, is the broad category. But then he, he makes this interesting kind of comment, verse 3 says, But sexual immorality and impurity, and all impurity or covetousness, which he later defines as idolatry, right, in verse um, 5. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. So he gives, I think this is kind of a a picture and a window into what he means by love, right? So love is this general broad term, but very kind of more narrowly, he's he's saying sexual immorality and impurity, covetousness, this is not love. And and I think for our modern age, for our moments, our generation, this is really key because I think we can get excited about this kind of the general ethic of love. And we're like, yeah, like I just want to, I just want to love like God loved. And who doesn't, who's not down for that, right? But then, but then he gets this kind of very narrow place of sexual morality and impurity and covetousness. And look how strong he says this. Must not even be named among you as is proper amongst saints, holy ones. This is who you are. It must, it must not even be named, this sexual immorality. That's a really broad catch-all term that, that, that covers all sorts of uh, sexual behavior, right? I mean, um, and, and then going further, verse four, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. And again, the strong language, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Verse five, uh, this is incredibly strong. For you may be sure of this. I don't know, I'm kind of doubting. No, you may be sure of this. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolatry, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And that word inheritance reminds you all the way back to chapter 1 when he talks about the plan for all of God's time of what he's trying to bring. If the Holy Spirit is given to you as the guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire possession right? The great thing that God is doing, the plan, the fullness of time to unite all things, and the Holy Spirit's the deposit, the guarantee that that's your inheritance, that's what God is bringing you to, and if there is sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, you can be sure that that is not your inheritance. Now, that's not to say if you've ever had an impure thought, right? If you've ever sinned, right, that, that, that you are X'd out. That, that's if, that would be kind of going against the general teaching of the New Testament. So that's not what Paul is speaking here. But what, what he's saying is, if there is not conviction here, if there's not imitation of God where you are shedding these things intentionally, practically seeking his kingdom and, and seeking to have no part in these places, right? Then you can be sure that you are not inheriting the kingdom of God. Instead, he goes even further. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. Right? So if someone's like, ah, it's not that big a deal. No, do not be deceived with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God 
comes upon the sons of disobedience. And again, that phrase was used in chapter 2 when he talked about the wrath of God being revealed and how God has saved you up from this. So if there is not this imitation of God, this pursuit of sexual purity, like a, a pursuit, not just like, oh, I know what the boundaries are, but I'm talking you are pursuing sexual purity, you can be sure that the new identity is not yours that you are actually not a child of God. And this is really strong language, but, but I think we're sometimes afraid to speak this strongly, but Paul is not. Verse 7, Therefore, do not become partners with them. And what he's saying there is not, don't hang out with non-Christians or don't hang out with people who are sexually immoral. No, Jesus hung out with people who are sexually immoral. I think what he's getting at is more to this point of people who, this is more the idea of like church discipline. Right, so, so those who claim an inheritance in the kingdom of God and in Christ, right? Those who, who claim the new identity and yet continue to walk in these places, he's saying, do not partner with, with people like that. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. That is my plea for our church, is that we would walk as children of the light. There's a new life that is given. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. We could go on a whole tangent about discovering God's will, and that's a whole, like, sometimes I think, yeah. This verse could maybe be taken out of context to make you think that it's a difficult thing to try and discern God's will. We can leave that discussion alone for now. Man, I would just love it if our people would just... Like, if that was just your, your honest effort, energy in life, is I want to discern what is God's will for my life. How can I walk in that? And I think he answers even that. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. How big a part? No part in the unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, instead, expose them. Show. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that is, becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the, the new life that you were asleep, you are risen, and now you're walking in the light of the Lord. This is your new identity. See, see salvation is not just forgiveness of sin. It's not just redemption from the pit. It's the call, it's the new life. Part of salvation is sanctification, that you are brought into a new life where you're growing and pursuing godliness and holiness. There's a new life that God calls you into, and, and one of the ways of just assessing your life is, is if there's not this pursuit, if that's not present in your life, then have you really been given the new life? Verse 15, the last couple of verses, look carefully then how you walk. Church, look carefully. Examine how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, so much here. 
church, as you're reading this, I hope this is convicting in a good and godly way, that you would look carefully at your life. You would recognize the limited nature of your days on this earth. And you would not be a fool. But instead, you would see that, that God has spoken. He's, he's revealed himself. He says, this is, you, would, you would understand what the will of the Lord is. And it's your holiness. It's your life with him. It's, it's not these other pursuits. It's not these other things. And that's why he says, do not get drunk with wine. Not because wine is bad, but he's saying, do not get drunk. Do not, do not waste your days. So again, thinking very clearly about how you engage with alcohol, and I would add other drugs, even as more and more in our culture things are becoming legalized. I would include weed in this church. Do not get high. I don't think I'm adding to Scripture when I say that. I think the, the, as you walk through this passage, the, the intention here is saying, look, pick, like, it's not just that it's like you're crossing a line when you do this bad thing, right? Oh, you, you did you, you, your blood alcohol level or your, you, know, you went you know, from this line to this line and now you've, you, you were good and now you're not good. And so, you know, nope. No, the idea is your life is precious. It's been redeemed. You are a child of God. Imitate him. Pursue his life. Like it's a much higher calling than just don't do this or don't do that. Like weigh and value your life. And be like pursue the filling of the Holy Spirit. Like constantly be seeking God. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I don't think it means that you always have to like talk to each other in psalmic or hymnic language. But saying this is what fills your lips and your mind. It's thankfulness, love, submission, laying down my privileges and rights and preferences. I want to be like God. Church, that's my prayer. So let's pray. This is the Acts prayer, adoration. God, thank you for bringing me into your family. God, you are the God who is holy. God, you're the one who sent Jesus, who loved us and gave himself for us. You are worthy of imitation. In you is where life is found. And confession. I mean, if you're not confessing after reading this passage, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, just there, there's so much here. Um, so I'll, I mean, kind of let you you pick, you know. But I mean, I think just in, in, it'd be hard not to read this and, and, and recognize, yeah, there is maybe sexual Im- immorality or impurity that is in your mind or covetousness, you know, in idolatry that's at work in your life. And so it's important to to bring that before God and say, God, I know that these are at work in my life. I know that these are are temptations, and I know that that this is not your kingdom. And so, God, I, I, I lay that down. I don't want to pursue that. That's not where life is. And maybe for some of you, this may even be the starting point, this confession of like, real, this might be a real wake-up call as you recognize how maybe you've thought about this wrong. Oh, am I crossing this line? Have I crossed this sexual boundary marker that I've made with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Have I, you know, am I, like, did I click the link for pornography or not? Did I, you know what I mean? And it's very like, did I cross the line or not? But this the presentation of the scriptures is much more, am I pursuing the life and light that is given in God, right? And I think, man, that's a place for you to just break confession saying, no, I, I've been viewing this all wrong. God, I need, I need you. And thank, thankfulness, thanks. This is what it says, right? Giving thanks 
always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so I mean, real broadly, God, thank you for always and everything, that you are the source of life, that you have shined light, that you have brought me from death into life, that you have an inheritance for me, that there is a life, right, that, that, that holiness is not um, a ta- like a, a cruel taskmaster. It's an invitation to a new life, that sin is death, Thank you for Jesus, that he has, has saved me from sin, that I can confess sin, that when I'm not, where, where I haven't walked in the light, I can bring that to you and know that is covered and cleansed, and I can continue on. God, thank you for, for that. In supplication, God, I pray for myself. I pray for our church, God, that we would be a people, there'd be a culture that seeks to be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would make use of our time, that we would recognize the weightiness of life. God, would that be a true in my life? Daniel Jansen, would that be true in my life? And would that be true at Imago Dei Church? That we would make the best use of our time and look carefully at how we walk and be imitators of you in everything. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Tune in next time.